Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast, the show that inspires confident professionals by interviewing people who actually enjoy what they do for work. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with founders, entrepreneurs, and employees who have figured out that special sauce, the magic, the mystery to having no more Mondays. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the No More Mondays podcast. As always, I'm super excited you decided to join us again for an episode entitled A Wonderful Career with Purpose. I always love when I get to walk down memory lane with a blast from the past in my days at Carnegie Mellon, so I am naturally very excited to introduce you to Amber Jackson. Amber is currently heading up digital growth strategies for a portfolio of wonderful brands. Think Fiji Water, Wonderful Pistachios, and Justin Wine. You've got the picture now. Her path into Wonderful has been explorative and purposeful, and I love that shared perspective and no limits approach to life that Amber takes. We're going to dig into big, a big name pass that includes Warner Brothers, Walt Disney, and more. And I just can't wait to hear her amazing laugh on this show. So let's dive in and learn more about how Amber is tossing the Sunday blues to the side to embrace a life of no more Mondays. Please give a warm welcome to Amber Jackson. Woohoo! Yay! Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome. <laughs> so uh, let's chat a little bit about Wonderful. So this is a, a newer position for you. Tell us what, yeah. what you're up to, and then we'll talk about how you got here. So talk about your role at Wonderful. Awesome. So I'm currently the head of e-commerce and direct-to-consumer at The Wonderful Company, um, which includes brands like Fiji Water, Pistachios, as you mentioned. So what my team does is oversees all sales and marketing and operations for any digital transaction touch point. So think when you buy a case of Fiji water on Amazon, if you purchase pistachios through Instacart, or if you're buying Justin wine from our wine club or our direct to consumer website, all of those operations and strategies fall under my team. That's re- It's really fun to do that for recognizable brands that I feel like, like I consume, I consume all of those. It's a big, honestly, like I learned very early in my career. The first time it was an accident, but I'm very intentional. It's easier for me to come to work every day when I work on things that I consume and that I love. So that was like my first step to unlocking passion was like, I just got to work on things that I care about. I love that. We're going to, I feel like that was going to weave through everything we're going to talk about and is one of the aspects of your story that I think is really going to inspire people to think about kind of how you're purposeful. So walk us through how you got here and and kind of how that realization came because you've experienced a lot of different industries, a lot of types of of roles kind of before yeah. landing in this sweet spot. And I would love for you to kind of share the journey of how that purposeful pursuit has landed you here today. Yeah. So we're going to go back 20 years when the yeah. last time you knew me, right? So I went to undergraduate at Carnegie Mellon. I graduated with a degree in English and priority one for me was get a job. Right. So I grew up in a kind of like, you know, more humble, modest. I'm from Pittsburgh, you know, blue collar town. So I just wanted a job. And first career fair, first company I talked to was Johnson and Johnson. And they hired me into a rotational development program in IT. And it's one of those things where I've always had an aptitude for the analytical and the technical. So I did that for three years, lived in New Jersey and Miami. And after three years, discovered that I didn't like pharmaceuticals and I didn't like IT. <laughs> so I that's, hey, learning what you don't like is just as important as learning what you do like. I feel like, you do, we, do you just want to come in my seat and take all my clients for the rest of the day? Because <laughs> I tell people, like, knowing what you don't want can be a huge step of figuring out what you do want. 
the fact that you did something for three years and didn't and realized you didn't want to do it was kind of a big deal in, you know, 2002, three, four. Oh yeah. These are real conversations with like, I can still remember talking to my mom and she'd be like, what do you mean? Like you're leaving. She didn't literally didn't understand how I was leaving a brand like Johnson and Johnson. She's like, that's a good job. It's great money. Why are you leaving? And when the answer is because I don't feel fulfilled, it's like blank glazed eyes. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, now I am walking down memory lane of the conversation of mom and dad. I'm not going to be an engineer anymore. Woo. Anyway. Uh, so <laughs> what was the next step from Johnson and Johnson that helped you kind of with what ended up being that purposeful kind of exploration? Yeah. So I left Johnson. And, so I've always, or early in my career, I really anchored onto understanding what I didn't want to do and what was I good at. So I was really good at project management. I just didn't like it. So at Johnson and Johnson in the role. So I then jumped to KPMG. I also wanted to move to California. I wanted, I was, I, I was like stressed about my 401k at 24 and you're just like, girl, you need to enjoy <laughs> life a little bit more. So I, you know, found a company like KPMG that was going to value the skills that I had already been developing around project management um, they moved me to California, to Los Angeles. That's how I got here. And so I was a consultant for three years, worked on some cool clients. But again, after three years, I was like, I looked at, I was a senior associate when I looked at what it meant to be a manager in consulting and having to sell. I was like, I didn't want to do that, which is hilarious that I work in sales now. But at the time I was like, I didn't want to sell. And so I was like, okay, time to pivot. And so I then made another pivot to Warner Brothers where I worked my first tour of duty there, I worked in home entertainment. So doing like financial compliance auditing. So continuing to be this like Jane of many trades, really focusing around project management and three years in at Warner Brothers, I was ready to leave. So second big insight about myself was, Amber, you lose interest in a job after three years. I was right? like, three- we're picking up on a timeline trend here for sure. Hey, <laughs> and you know, knowing yourself is huge in this process. So three years in, I was ready to leave Warner. I wanted to get out of finance and now move into something I was passionate about, which was sales and marketing. I love the psychology of people and our behaviors. And, you know, right on time, I engaged, I had, I found a mentor at Warner Brothers who, to, I mean, to this day, I'd still call him my mentor. It's been over 10 years. We're more friends now, but like I had a mentor who cared about me and was like, kind of, Hey, Amber, like, I think you agree, you should make this pivot into sales and marketing. And he was the one that was like, but the teams that you're looking at, if you notice, everybody has an MBA. And that was actually what propelled me to think, oh, wait, if I want to do this on the the teams that I'm looking at that I want to work in, like in consumer packaged goods, everybody has an MBA. So while I say I stayed at Warner for six years in total, it was two careers. The first was in finance. The third, I was still in finance, but I was in B-School part-time at UCLA. Um, I got my MBA and then I left and transitioned to Disney where I was now fully in a sales and marketing role. We can talk about how hard it is to rebrand yourself. I tried to stay at Warner and couldn't, while I had developed a whole new skill set, couldn't get the people around me to value me differently. So that was actually why I had to leave. Yeah, yeah, I have to leave I've, and go to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can love a company so much. I, this happens a lot with people who kind of go into a comp- early career that's really common, where you'll go into yeah. a company as like an intern and they hire you on as like that entry level. And you'll get mm-hmm. maybe three to five years in, and there's just this mental block of how you're perceived uh, from the people, exactly the people around you, that they'll just never see you beyond that. And even though you had a completely different skill set and even like on paper qualifications, 
you had mm-hmm. to kind of move out in order to make that leap and really move to a full on new personal brand. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even just changing how you're perceived. It's also changing how you're valued. Right. So somebody, and I would say in my case, people saw that I could do the work of being a marketer and a strong marketer in the organization, but they liked me too much as a finance person and didn't understand how they would replace me in finance. So I was like, can we keep Amber here and keep her happy? Not because we don't think she can do marketing. It's because we don't want to, we're, we don't know how we're going to, where she's doing such a great job in finance. How are we going to fill that spot? It was a little bit of that as well. Yeah. yeah, And changing the muscle memory around. They're used to coming to you for finance. And as much as sure, we'll give you some marketing work. It's always going to come back to the fact that habitually they're used to you being in a certain lane. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's a Garth Brooks lyric. That's like sometimes, you know, the best like answered prayers are the ones where it's a no or unanswered. Right. And that's one where in that pivot, in hindsight, I'm like, I'm actually glad that you guys didn't give me the marketing role Warner because I might not have made as clean of a jump in transition as I ultimately did. Yep. I totally agree with that. I also want to come back to the MBA for a, for a second, because yeah. the way you approached the MBA, I feel like was very intentional. And the way that um, when people ask me like, oh, should I get an MBA? I kind of go into this giant spiel around how I think it's it's an investment that you have to make in a very calculated way, both time and money yes. based mm-hmm. on how it does or does not align with a goal. And for you, it was looking in the fact that you're playing in a big, big ballparks here, big, you know, some of the most recognizable brands on the world and right. um, seeing what was going around you and how they hire and knowing you needed that to align with a career path that you had intentionally drawn. So it was a very, very smart way to pair that with it versus just hoping an MBA is going to be a magic bullet to some, you know, more ambiguous goal. So I I wanted to go back and point that out because I think it really aligns with a lot of conversations I have and the way you leveraged it is really how it, it, it does have the best ROI. And clearly it worked out because the path continued. Yeah. I, and I will add to that. Yes. I think that the more time people get clear about why an MBA Why am I doing it? What do I want to get out of it? And where am I going to get this MBA from? The more time we spend in that part of the decision making, the better off, because especially in a part-time program, like there are nights where you're working a 40 hour job and you're putting 20 hours in and you're sleeping five hours a night. And you're just like, why am I doing this? And knowing that why in those moments is really helpful. So yeah, I was very intentional about when I got the MBA, what I wanted it to like, I chose a part-time program because I was like, I'm in entertainment. I just want to change functions. And entertainment is an industry where relationships are everything. So I was like, I don't want to step away from my relationships for two years. So I was very intentional about a part-time program and also where I went, like the particular brand, because I was like, I need a brand that could get me back across the Mississippi. If I ever have to go home one day and UCLA is like the biggest most nationally recognized brand in Southern California in terms of MBAs. Yes, is super, super smart. The other thing I think is really interesting about the that purposeful designing of your career is two things. One, you didn't at the outset of even J&J say, oh my gosh, I have to go design this. This is my tunnel vision track. It was almost Mm -hmm. kind of like evaluating it at each point of being ready for change and figuring out what a next logical step was to continue gathering information and distilling down kind of where you wanted to go. And it's interesting that 
in a way, your career started off almost in a reverse funnel because a lot of people start off as a technical expert and as they grow, realize they kind of want to become more of a generalist where you flip that around, started in a management rotation program, went into consulting and KPMG and at each of those stepping stones and evaluation points kind of like whittled it down to here's all the information I have to use. Now I know what kind of specialist I want to be still in that leadership capacity. And it ended up being sales marketing. Yeah. And and I find that like, I completely agree. And one of the things like when I talk to people about careers is as much as you can have a plan for what you want, never forget to stay open. Like there are certain moments in my life and in my career where it wasn't like a plan. There are like Johnson and Johnson, for example, I can tell you, I can still see the exact like career conference we were at. It was like for business school majors and my friends were going. Remember, I'm an English major. I was just going at the end of the day because I wanted to see what were the free products that were left. No joke. And as I walked <laughs> past the J&J table, this guy, like I'm trying to chat him up because I want to get the free product that he brought to this career fair. And instead he chats me up and he says, hey, would you like to interview for a job here? And I say, yes. Being open, right? Like I say the wonderful company and I know we'll continue the story from Disney but I was at back at Warner Brothers in sales and marketing consumer products. And like six months ago, a recruiter sent me an email that's like, hey, you applied for a job here six years ago. Would you ever be considered like we have a role open that seems aligned with what you're doing now? Would you consider like talking to us about it? And I was like, sure, because anybody can talk to me, right? Like career management, everybody totally. can talk to me. Never heard. Exactly. Yes. And so an exploratory conversation. And now six months later, I'm in like a career. I mean, I rolled that like, I absolutely like love every single day. Six years <laughs> later too. So you never yeah, know. Cause I say this too, to people is like, oh, what's the value of networking with that person? Or uh, you never know where a relationship may take you or how long it may take to actually realize the benefit, but living proof right here. Exactly. Yes. You, you kind of like, you have a plan, but then you stay open to how the plan comes to life. You have a vision and then you stay open to how it comes to life. Funny enough, I, I had um, in thinking about kind of new things I wanted to bring to this season of the podcast, mentorship has been a theme that has come up through a lot of conversations. And I wanted to just spend a few minutes focusing on it in this season. Mm-hmm. And then when I read your bio, I was like, okay, well, this is funny. That reinforces that direction. And you've already brought it up is this idea of how mentorship has kind of impacted your career trajectory. So I would love for you to kind of go back into that conversation and tell us more about how that relationship at Warner Brothers really did kind of inform and shape the path that you ended up going on. I met my mentor very casually. So prior to like meeting, his name is Michael. So prior to meeting Michael, I had been in companies that would try to have like formal mentorship, like you're assigned to this person. What I've learned over time is that like it never worked for me when it's like forced and formal. My connection with Michael was truly just like shared interest and investment. I, we were both working on a project at the time. He was a vice president of marketing. I think I was a finance manager at the time. So we're working on a project. We have a similar like rapport conversation. He happens to be a black male. And so literally I can, we were in an elevator one day and he's like leaving a meeting and he's like, I really like talking to you. What are you trying to do? Why are you in finance? That was literally, that, that was what began it. And, and so you're thinking, I, that, I wonder in the same thing. <laughs> I literally, I was like, actually, I really liked working with you. And I want to know like what it would take for me to one day work for your team. And that was an elevator conversation. And he was like, we should get lunch and just, and that's how it evolved. And so 
Um, I think it's important. And even now as a leader, I think what, so what I think is magical about how that connection happened is one, Michael was a leader who was trying to um, think about how he could invest in people. And even if you talk to people who've worked for him, that is one of his strengths is he constantly thinks. So as a leader now of a large team, I constantly think about Amber, who are you investing in, right? Like who has a spark that you have a connection with that you want to spend time with to coach them with what you know and have learned so far and kind of like breathe into that. So one, that was a big part of it. And two, like we just had a natural rapport that we decided to put some structure around and he would ask, and it's helpful to have a person who sees what he saw all my blind spots, right? And wasn't afraid to talk about them. He was like, why are you, I was internally asking Amber, why am I in finance? But he was externally like, what's going on? Or he showed me the blind spot of like, you want to be in sales and marketing, but you actually need an MBA and no one's going to tell you because every time you read a job description, it's going to say MBA preferred, right? As opposed to, but he's like, actually it's MBA required if this is what you're trying to do. And so like, you need that person who will kind of like has more seniority and that can help steer you, right? To find what you want versus like, could I have figured it out on my own? Sure. Would it have taken probably an extra 10 years? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I might be at the end of my career first in this role versus I feel like I'm solidly in the middle of my career in this role right now. I agree with you in the fact that I think really strong mentorship is much more organic than it is. Uh, I'm going to say forced or structured at the at the onset, because I think yeah. it does take that very natural rapport and kind of like you know, magic relationship of somebody who has enough of a connection and intuition around you to be able to see the blind spots and have that conversation and build a relationship that's really strong. And, and, and what I also love is that idea that it, it mentorship then becomes a 360 that because it's Mm -hmm. impacted you and your life so much, you then want to kind of have that organic connection with others and fuel them. And that's a really beautiful thing that I wish existed in, in, in kind of in the corporate world in a more kind of authentic and, and natural way. Um, but it also has that kind of idea that we aren't, we don't have to do this alone and we shouldn't yeah. do this alone. And we don't have to be so like, we don't have to have an ego that says, I don't need help. I can go, I can go and I can pave this path because just as you said, in hindsight, okay, maybe I could have gotten here. Maybe I wouldn't have, but it sure as heck wouldn't have been as efficient as it was. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, we have to like break down this idea that the people we have a lot of pride in like, well, you know, I had to go through all of this to get to where I am, but the goal shouldn't be for the next person to have to go through the same journey. How do I help you get there faster so that you can go further? Right. Like, and that's not a threat to me, right? Because I'm not in competition with you. I want all of us to win. This is what the path has looked like for me to win. But if there's something I can teach you that lets you get there faster, do you, right? It like it helps it helps the you. whole ecosystem, really. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I would love, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot. I would love for yeah. you to throw out a piece of kind of like practical advice to our audience on kind of how do how do they get started either mentoring or being mentored? I think you start by looking at people around you and saying, How can I help you? Right. So I don't think finding a mentorship is me saying I need this and I need that. I look around like, who are the people that that the universe has already put in my life and how can I help them? And um, if I can figure out how I can help them, then it'll reciprocate. Right. So I start with like giving first and not focusing on receiving something first. And when I get into a flow of like giving, 
then that also gets me into a flow of asking, right? Because it, it's a two-way street. And instead of waiting for someone to pick me, like I got lucky that Michael kind of like saw something and reached out to me, but I'm much more bold now in asking like, Hey, I need help. Like I, you do something very well. And I want to learn this from you. Would you share your time with me? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I kind of get it started. Yeah. So don't, don't be afraid whether it's it, don't be afraid to do something that's may not be for you. Cause it'll come back. There's actually a really good book series called the go giver. Uh, I can't remember who the author is, but there's like the go-giver sells, the go-giver sells real estate, the go-giver, like it's, there's, it's one of those ones that has a bunch of different like iterations based on the exact application of it. But it's all Mm -hmm. about that. It's all about that idea of giving. And then you organically end up receiving and the, and the cycle of growth that comes out of that is really amazing. And that's basically what we're talking about today. I love this conversation. And so you yeah. have a lot going on. I mean, especially considering you were, you know, working in a, a very kind of rap, like a competitive, fast paced uh, industry when you were doing your MBA and even just in this leadership role at Wonderful. How do you get it all done? How do you keep up? What are some of the kind of habits and routines that keep you balanced and productive? I love, so I love my morning routine. I, I think we talked about this beforehand. Oh, like, yeah. I'm really passionate about my morning time. I even read a book earlier this year called The Miracle Morning. Oh yeah, and Helen so, Rod. I love those. I love that book. Exactly, right? So like it's having a routine. So like when I wake up in the morning, I like to get my workout in. I'm a Peloton addict, like no shade. Like I like to get a ride and some strength <laughs> in. Um, I do typically like to read in the morning. I, you know, meditate, I pray. So for me, like, it's so funny. Like I wake up every morning between like 6 and 6.30 and if I'm lucky, I'm only 15 minutes late to work at 9.50. Like people are amazed at how much I do it. Like <laughs> how much two you to can three hours. Yeah, it's Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's, I needed to kind of like get my head right, get my energy right. So that's really important. I think another thing that helps me kind of juggle a lot of it is, and I've heard this actually on one of your um, earlier episodes, I color code my calendar, right? So I've given up, I walk away from the desire to do everything. I do not manage to a zero inbox. Instead, I look at my calendar and I have a color coding system to see, Amber, how much time are you spending coaching your team this week, right? How much time am I spending in relationships, like having coffee, lunches with people? How much, where am I like in like high priority meetings with like my boss or the owners of the company, right? So I I try to make sure that I'm balancing it out so that I'm like, you know, servicing everything because no one piece of that makes me successful. It's all of it's working together that allows me to be successful in my role. I love it. it. And figuring out it's it's being aware. So first spending time on yourself. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the morning routine. And I really find when I get out of it, I feel it big time. Huge fan yeah. of the morning routine and having awareness around awareness and intentionality. Big word that keeps coming back in our conversation around where your time goes to make sure that it, it is falling where it should and you don't get, get kind of out of whack there. So tell us a little bit more about Amber Jackson. So what do you do in your free time? What rounds you out? I, we both have a shared love of trivia and addictions to group <laughs> fitness and apparently morning routines. So what are you up to when you're um, when you're not doing all of these, you know, amazing growth initiatives for these huge companies? Yeah. So I um, I like to. So I said working out is really big for me. I'm constantly uh, I'm a big learner. Uh, And it's interesting because as we're like, not exiting, but as we're kind of like going into this next phase of the pandemic, I'm kind of like, Amber, like, can we find more hobbies that get you out of the house? Right. 
So I was doing things last year, like I taught myself how to knit, like making hats and socks and blankets. So things like that to get out of the mind and get into the physical. But also I have ideas, right? Around like what are businesses and entrepreneur, like entrepreneurial endeavors that I want to pursue. Like that's how I've watched you in your career. And I'm like, I actually tried, uh, I did last year. I had a couple of clients like doing career coaching and I was like, I learned a lot, but I was like, I don't know if it's for me, like long-term for different reasons. So I'm kind of like in a serial entrepreneur of just like, what do I want to create? What do I want to exist in the world? Really focusing too on bringing, um, like I know my strengths and my passions. It's around career management. It's around like, you know, finding joy and purpose in your nine to five. So it doesn't, you know, kind of, it's a source of um, additive and joy and not a source that drains you, right? And changing that relationship with work. But I'm very big on like how to thinking of ideas of how do we bring this these resources to under-resourced communities, like people of color who look like me. Uh, because a lot of what I know and how I do, it's because I went to a Carnegie Mellon and a UCLA. It's because I worked for a Disney and a Warner. So these really big brands that have an abundance of resources, I'm kind of like, how do I help share those resources and what I'm learning to people who may never have the opportunity to have ref access to them? It's amazing that you found a way that I feel like this is where things really collide. And we've talked about kind of value aligned uh, employer employee relationships on the show before. And I feel like that's really where you have the ability to, in a very healthy way, intertwine your life and your career in, in, mm-hmm. in a capacity that it actually does energize you instead of depleting you and gives you outlets to do things that you're passionate about personally through the avenue of work. So I feel like for for you and I, I both, and we, we don't have family, so it, it gives us the ability yeah. to, I mean, like I got a dog and now I got a cat. So like <laughs> we have the ability to You're kind growing. of think, be, I know, <laughs> uh, to be kind of like more entwined in that way. But it's amazing when it, when you really do find kind of that synergy amongst all of it. And so, and there's blurred lines. Exactly. And that's, and for me, that's a part of leaning into it. Yes, I could have a side hustle, but I am much more interested right now in exploring how do I take it of um, how do I take the privilege of sitting at the intersection of all of these great brands and what I do and lean into it to kind of create versus like having a whole separate thing where they're unrelated. You know what's coming because I know you've listened to my episodes before. We're going to play a little game of rapid fire, but I'm changing it up. So get ready. Oh my gosh. I'm so not ready. Let's go. <laughs> Don't worry. All right. So first question, hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Okay, you're gonna. You're a great person to ask this question. Favorite movie? I actually, I always say there's a three way tie at my top. It's Pretty Woman, Dirty Dancing, and My Fair Lady. Tell us about your most memorable travel destination. Memorable travel. Well, Maui is my favorite place in the world, and I once went to the top of Haleakala, which is a volcano, uh, for an early morning sunrise, and then biked down the volcano ten thousand feet. It was incredible. Uh, so we're going to go to book recommendations. So we chatted about a Go-Giver series, which um, I remembered is by Bob Berg and um, John Mann. But I would love mm-hmm. for you, especially because you love to learn and love professional development, give us a great book recommendation. Expect a Win by Carla Harris. Oh, that's a new one. I love this because every time I do this, it's like goes in the Amazon cart. Um, yes, give us a tidbit um, on why that's such a great book. So Carla Harris is a black woman. She's like an executive now at Morgan Stanley. It's a fabulous book because she wrote it before like we ever had lean in with Cheryl. Carla had written Expect to Win. And it's specifically talking to women in 
not intentionally, but she writes from the perspective of a woman of color in a primarily like white space. And so there are ways, there are unwritten habits and behaviors that are necessary to win in those spaces that probably nobody ever taught me as a black woman. So reading this book really helps me have a lot of aha moments, right? About the importance, why, and it, for her, it was like, you know, going golfing and going to happy hour, which why it's so important, even though like for me, I would normally prefer to spend that time with my family. But like, she was like, no, you actually really need to do this because, and you know, how do you go get an advocate a mentor and a champion. And those are three very different things, right? So she gives you lots of like tips of the role, uh, road for how to win in these spaces, especially when probably to somebody who didn't have uh, a person teaching it to them. That's a great suggestion. Oh, wow. Okay. Would you rather speak every langu- language in the world or be able to talk to animals? I want to be able to talk to animals. Me too. There's no translator <laughs> for that. Uh, so I know you you know really try to live a healthy lifestyle. So when you decide to have a cheat day, what's your favorite junk food? French fries. Oh, French fries are just oh, skinny French fries poutine. Oh, I mean, like there's so many ways to enjoy French fries. And now I want French fries for breakfast. And I'm going to ask for one more recommendation before we talk about Mondays. Uh, I would love a great podcast recommendation. This is a new ad. Ooh, a great podcast. And of course you Um, can't say no more Mondays because everybody already loves it. (laughs) Love it. I actually get most of my news through Pod Save America. It's like one hour. They publish an episode. It's called Crooked Media. I love Pot Save America. It is, I will disclosure, it's a little bit more like left leaning, um, but I love I love listening to it. It's how I get like a lot of my news right now. And yes. of course, this is a show about Mondays. So what is the first word that comes to mind when I say Monday? Hopeful. Why? Mondays are the start of the week and I feel like everything is possible on Monday. Monday mornings, I feel like everything is possible. Um, so uh, you can dream big. I start new habits. I get back in my healthy eating. I start my morning routines on Monday. So it's a very, Monday's a day to evaluate, like, what did I not like about the week, the year, the life so far? And let's start on Monday. Wouldn't it be amazing to go into Mondays? Imagine what it would be like to go into Mondays, hopeful instead of dreadful. That's an excellent word for Mondays. And before we kind of wrap things up and ask the last question, I would love for you to let listeners know kind of how they can find you and track your journey and kind of continue getting the inspiration on such a purposeful career. Love it. Thank you. Um, Well, so you can find me on social at Hey Amber Jackson. Um, I'm mostly active on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram, but you can also find me on Facebook and very rarely on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I I avoid Twitter at all costs. And I I love that you have a brand. Hey, Amber Jackson. So perfect. (laughs) You all can learn from that out there. So as we kind of close out, what's been an awesome, just like there's so many pearls of wisdom, gem packed conversation, bring it home and give everybody kind of that one last gold nugget. So what's your best piece of advice on what our listeners can do to get a step closer to a more hopeful Monday? I always say get clear about the experience that you want to have and the universe will align with a made up mind. That it will conspire to help you achieve what you want if you can figure out what it looks like. Yes. That's an amazing, amazing piece of advice. And what I would like to point out in that statement, it was an get clear about the experience, not necessarily the goal. Exactly. Amber, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel like we could have a three-hour podcast and people would probably <laughs> listen to it. And yeah. I'm so appreciative that you have uh, walked down memory lane with me and joined the No More Mo- Monday movement. 
We always love hearing from people who have found joy in what they do for work and in life. And you're definitely no exception. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. And for those of you out there listening, I would love, love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a five-star rating. It is a huge help as we continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with these amazing stories. And if you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or guest suggestions, visit us online at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays, new episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional.